The Trench Run Report proudly presents Mando Meetings with your hosts, Aaron Russo and Justin Boots Gray. This is the way. Hello and welcome to the Trench Run Report. Um, this is a segment that we like to call uh, Mando Meetings. Uh, I am your host, Justin Gray, and here with me is... Aaron Russo checking in. Yeah, chapter 10. Not really much to talk about with this one. And so this this episode will probably be shorter than the last one. To give you a synopsis of the uh, this chapter, the uh, Mandalorian uh, is tasked to bring a passenger to uh, the planet of Trask, and they have complications along the way. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, not much connecting it to the previous chapter, um, and uh, and as and it seems like the fandom as a whole has described this as a filler. Aaron, what are your thoughts? I mean, there's no question. That, I mean, in my mind, that that was a it was a filler episode. I mean, it did it was an episode that started with him being sent somewhere or directed somewhere. And then he was on his way there. So that makes it not filler in the sense that it is part of a storyline. But the events of the episode itself just completely stand alone. I mean, there's really not like nothing that happened in the majority of the episode appears to be necessary to tell the story going forward. And certainly almost nothing that happened in episode one is continued here other than I'm still looking for Mandalorians, and then uh, someone knows where some are, which mm-hmm. is pretty bare bones. I mean, like really, that's and and really, that's that's the only real storyline that we have this season is he's looking for Mandalorians mm-hmm. that, so far. Yeah, and that kind of begs the question. Um, uh, he's finding Mandalorians so that they can help him uh, return the child to his kind or the Jedi. And that kind of just begs the question, if he doesn't know their whereabouts, what's the odds that they are? Um, like the Mandalorians, what, what, what odds, what's the odds that they'll know? And that's a, and that's a very slim chance as well. So yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, there was nothing about the end of the last season that hinted at this whole thing, that he's not going to be able to do this without finding other Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of out of left field. It's like, yeah, we can unpack all that, right? But, I mean, overall, yes. I mean, it was a filler episode. There's no question in my mind. It was, it was a filler episode. It had almost nothing to do with the first episode. We don't know what the next episode is going to be about, but majority of the episode is about a detour on the way to Trask that clearly has nothing to do with anything else. Unless there's like some wacky way that they're going to make this all somehow significant. These spiders or, or this frog person, frog lady, who I guess apparently she is literally credited as frog lady, uh, oh, no. which is wow. just bizarre. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that, we can break it down. But I think it was a filler episode. I was disappointed. Um, still fun. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, still Star Wars, still, and some great, you know, I mean, you know, 
you, you have flying X-wings in this in the show, and I'm going to be having some fun there. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think the disappointment on my end is that it doesn't really do anything new with the characters um, with Din Djarin. Um, that he he's kind of given this speech about uh, like how Mandalorians have a certain rep, uh, reputation and. That has that's nothing new even to the series itself. And I actually uh, asked my roommate to watch the chapter and give me his thoughts um, since he didn't wasn't able to uh, attend the viewing that we did. And uh, it, basically the same thing. He said that yeah, nothing new happens. Filler. The only thing I got out of it was that Baby Yoda was is very hungry. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. But as far, as far as entertainment value, as you said, I, and I also remember saying that, that I still had fun. Um, the X-Wing scene was very phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the uh, spider scene was, like, really intense. And, like, the beginning uh, sequence where he's, like, knocked off the bike speeder, that was... Uh, that was great. Mm-hmm. We should talk about that. We should talk about that. Yeah. All righty, then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought that 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 was interesting. I think we talked about this last night after watching it. Um, is that it was very similar to the first episode of the season where you had this kind of like prelude sequence. Like in the first episode, you had the scene where he shows up at the fighting ring, and then he uh, gets into a skirmish with these guys, and he fights them off, and he secures Baby Yoda, and he, you know, goes about his way, and then you get the title scene screen. Mm-hmm. And they did the same thing again this week. You had this, you know, literally picking up, like, not necessarily right after. I mean, like, I think if I remember correctly, the end of episode one, it, if I recall, he's, he's riding on Tatooine, and it's either sundown or sunup. I think it's sundown. Yeah, I think it's sundown. And then in this episode, it picks up. It's broad daylight. Mm-hmm. He's still headed wherever he's headed, and he gets, you know, he gets ambushed. Um, and it was a great, I mean, that, that was, you know, a great scene. I mean, that was super entertaining. Like, the way that was filmed, the sound of the speeder bike coming through the desert, you know, all that. It was great. And, and all the action of that sequence, it was, it was action, the hand-to-hand combat, the, which was, again, strikingly violent mm-hmm. for Disney um, and for Star Wars. Um, the humor of the jetpack, which was just absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that opening sequence. Super entertaining, very you know like energizing, whatever. But here's the thing: to me, that was the highlight of the episode. That's not where you want the highlight of the right. episode to be. Mm-hmm. The highlight of the episode was a totally non-essential action sequence that just kind of was very entertaining to watch, but not necessary for the. That didn't have to happen at all mm-hmm. in the episode or in the season necessarily, but. Having said that, it was super funny. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, I remember, I remember, I remember when he handed him the jetpack and I was like, oh, he's, he's got a remote. He's going to like, you know, torch him or launch him or something like that. <laughs> um, and it was funny, but it was also kind of funny because it was also like really mean. <laughs> like he like, I mean, they show the, mm-hmm. the, whatever that creature was, it, I, Sometimes I thought it was maybe a Jawa in different clothing or whatever, but yeah. But he just gets like just thud to the ground, you know. It's pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Pretty brutal. Yeah, and plus, uh, actually, I think it. Um, I don't know if you 
like remember uh, the beginning of the Force Awakens in great detail, but um, that alien, that smaller alien was kind of the same. Tito, uh, not no? not Tito. No. The um, oh, like it, it was uh, at the scavenger yard where like Ray's cleaning off that oh, thing and then the, like unnecessary and... jump scare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Might that, have been the same. <laughs> yeah, same species, I believe. Okay. Okay. So. I mean, it was hilarious. That was a mm-hmm. great sequence. It was, it was, it was brilliant. It was really well done. Like the pacing and the, the, the action and mm-hmm. everything. It was fantastic. That was great. Yeah. Plus, uh, just, uh, I don't know. Again, the uh, I know that this is uh, for, for basically a uh, Mando meeting. So I thought there would be a lot more to talk about with the episode outside of mostly the beginning. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, the spiders again. Not, uh, nothing new. We've seen these in Rebels, and uh, and plus, it's definitely one of those uh, Ralph McQuarrie uh, things coming to life. Um, but yeah, not nothing, nothing new. Nothing done with the characters that's different. And uh, I thought, I thought that, yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought that the sequence, you know, once he gets back to Moss Eisley, mm-hmm. goes back to the cantina, the handoff. Between him and I don't remember the character's name oh, that uh, keeps popping up, but the fellow curly hair mm-hmm. who I don't like. <laughs> just I I really don't know why she keeps coming back. I really don't like that character. Um, she grates on me for some reason. Um, but I, I, I one thing that one thing that came to my mind. I'm curious to hear what you think of this, but mm-hmm. I feel like the cantina is something pretty sacred like the Moss Eisley Cantina is a very sacred kind of iconic location in Star Wars mm-hmm. and I don't know if I like that they keep going back there with all these new characters and I don't know I mean obviously it's not that big a deal it's just a thought but it's like it's like the scenes in, in, in the scene there in this episode I thought was just a it was like uh, like yeah I, I felt like it could have happened else. Yeah, I, could, I felt like it could have happened in the uh, hangar or some somewhere else, but yeah, yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of like, okay, it's kind of odd going back there during the nighttime because we don't usually see, well, like we never see the cantina during the night. Hmm. Um, Made me think about that. So that that was that's what kind of threw me off a bit, um, but yeah, I do agree with you that. The uh, cantina scene is like legendary to Star Wars, and plus definitely the fans. Yeah, because um, it's the kind of eye opener that says you're not in Kansas anymore, like Mark Hamill said. Right, uh, right. So I feel like that space should 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 stay uniquely the place that it was in the New Hope. You know, it's mm-hmm. the place where Luke. And Obi Wan are together, and they meet Han and Chewie. Those are like sacred, iconic moments. And to keep going back there and throwing in these other characters and there's something about that that I'm not super excited about. I mean, yeah. it's fun to go back there in some ways, like you know, but it, mm-hmm. uh... it it didn't bother me the first time as much. I mean, I thought it was kind of cool to see that it was like under new management. And right, it, it's so kind of droids are running the place yeah. when mm-hmm. they used to not be able to go there. That was that's I like that too. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it was. I don't know. It feels like there's like we're not done with Tatooine yet. I don't. So. Yeah, I don't think so either. Which <clears throat> brings up a, a, a well, maybe we should go through the episode first, like just in terms of progression. 
mm-hmm. and then we can talk about some of the things. But I was really confused by this whole thing of like, he shows up in the cantina and she's playing sabak with Dr. Mandible, which is a cringy name <laughs> for a alien with giant mandibles. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, that's the most creative thing you could come up with. <laughs> Dr. Mandible. I don't know if that's a character that existed previously, but I thought that was just really kind of silly. The creature itself was very cool, very well done, mm-hmm. very icky looking. Um, but the whole like the whole thing about oh we're looking for Mandalorians oh yeah oh I happen to know someone who who knows where some Mandalorians are oh okay cool and then and then she hands off you know she says oh I vouch for this person one hundred percent then it turns out that she met her ten minutes ago which I or something like that mm-hmm. um, so first of all like she lied like she doesn't even know this person um, and second and the third one is like. I'm trying to think to myself, like, so you met this person 10 minutes ago. You've only known this person mm-hmm. for 10 minutes, and Mandalorians came up in the conversation. Like, maybe she thought, maybe oh, then she asked. I, I mean, like, there was just, it was so, just, it was a sloppy, pointless kind of thing. It was like, I just don't know. And it was like, and, and I don't, I didn't find the, <laughs> the more I talk about it, the more I'm realizing how much I didn't like this episode. Like, I found Frog Lady to be terribly, poorly done. Like, just weird. Like, almost like a Jar Jar kind of feel initially. Not I've grown to love Jar Jar, but, like, the initial reaction was kind of just, like, frog lady, and she's got eggs on her mm-hmm. thing, and she wants to go somewhere, and it just was, like... This, this, I didn't, there was nothing original about it. The, the way she looked visually didn't work well for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the dynamic of the... And, like, the way that um, the... People are going to be like, is this guy a Star Wars? The, the, the curly-haired lady again? Uh, Pilo, I think. Pilo? Like, yeah. when she was talking to Frog Lady, what was that? <laughs> What's our... I was like, this is... We already got the grunting Tusken Raider garbled thing, which was a little bit more... Yeah, in, that... It, fine. It was okay. It got a little annoying a little bit. Like, But that was just, like, bizarre. <laughs> like, the mm-hmm. sounds that they were making to communicate, it was just like... What is this? It felt silly. It felt kind of just like, ah, like, ugh. like, and it just, I just, I get, and, and, you know, the whole idea, like, okay, well, I'll help you get here because in exchange for information about where the Mandalorians are, but Frog Lady didn't come across to me as someone who would have this kind of information. Mm-hmm. I thought the Mandalorians were like super secretive. Don't, nobody knows where they are, but this random Frog Lady. Mm-hmm. Her husband knows where they are, and she just happens to be on Tatooine, and frogs on Tatooine, like... (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I think all that to say, like, that part of it kind of just was like, okay, well, whatever, like, all right, so at that point in the episode, I was like, okay, well, let's, let's, so what's going to happen, you know, and the whole thing about not being able to travel at light speed, and he was willing to slow down, great, okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just it was. I don't know. What were your thoughts about the up to the point that he leaves Tatooine? Again, not not too much. I feel like you've mostly covered like uh, most of what, what I was going to go on about. But um, yeah, I I'm not a huge fan of her design. I mean, it it, it kind of reminds me of a. Um, there was like a video that my mom made us watch as kids. It was like about it's a, it was like the 
Beatrix Potter uh, a ballet, and like they had like <laughs> they had this uh, animal like characters. Yeah, animal characters that were in like super realistic looking animals doing ballet, and there was the <laughs> <laughs> I know it's like super crazy. But um, they had, like, the one with uh, Mr. Oh, man, I used to know his name. But, like, it was a it was a Toad character. And it was a super realistic-looking Toad doing ballet. And, like, it, it, just, it was just very off-putting. And, like, seeing, seeing Frog Lady just kind of brought those feelings back. It, it definitely uh, was not my favorite um, creature character that I've seen in Star Wars. I'll put it mm-hmm. that way. And the, and you know and the and the the sequence when they leave Tatooine and they start flying and was cool. I mean, I guess we can jump to the. I mean, like you know, I didn't. I was surprised um, to see the the X wing sequence that we saw in the trailers mm-hmm. pop up that quickly in the season. Um, it was obviously. Super cool. Very, it was beautifully shot. Like seeing the X wings kind of pull up behind him, um, seeing them flying next to him. Um, the fact that he kind of he's like, uh oh, like you know, like realizing that he's not he's not a good guy at least in that at that moment, like in in the views of the of the New Republic. Um, but that was a fun sequence. That whole like back and forth you mm-hmm. know, between him and the X wing pilots and. And then like, hey, switch to channel two, and then the foils open up, and you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't view him as friendly, which that was kind of cool because like we're totally like, oh, it's the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, but the New Republic people are like, who are you? Identify right? It's like mm-hmm. so there's this tension, and I thought that was cool, um, and the the chase uh, between the ships was very cool. Mm-hmm. That was like. You know, that's where they put a few million dollars of the episode into. Probably was filming that and showing that, and that was that was that was that was a very well done. I enjoyed that that chase, um, and the maneuvering that he was doing mm-hmm. was pretty intense. That was cool, and seeing Dave Filoni come back again as a character is is fun too. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that's like that's something that just makes me feel like, yeah, like do that. Do that for him. Like he should, you know, like fans love him. Mm-hmm. I think all the fans love to see him. Um and it's fun to see him get to be on the other side of the camera. So mm-hmm. that was cool. And I heard that the the other pilot was a Korean comedian. Yeah, I think he has like a Netflix show. But yeah, yeah, he I guess he was a cameo. It kind of did feel like it was like a cameo role. Even though I didn't know who the cam- who the cameo was, so right, yeah, no, it felt like there wasn't. I mean, like I think all of the X wing pilots so far have been all cameos in the in the show. So I think mm-hmm. like, like every time a X wing pilot shows up, it's like, oh, who's that? <laughs> Which is kind of distracting, maybe a little bit. Um, is that a director? Is that a producer? Is that a writer? Is that you know somebody else? Mm-hmm. And there's also it's also just interesting. I guess there's like this obsession with you know putting comedians in roles in the show as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is interesting. I'm not sure why that is. Not, nothing, I don't have a problem with it, but it's an interesting pattern that's mm-hmm. developing with comedians being given roles in the show. Yeah, plus, uh, like, I know it's going to sidetrack, but I didn't know that was John uh, Leah's... Oh, man, dang it, I had his last name. 
he was like the one-eyed guy at the um, chap- chapter nine. Oh, that was John Leguizamo. Yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. realize that. Yeah, no, it, it, did, it did not sound like him. No, no. so yeah, but it was it was fun. I mean, it's I, I that's one of those that's one of the things that I do like. But I think that if you overdo the cameos, that can get distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, at a certain point, and and like one one of the things I was kind of excited for the Mandalorian was is that like they kind of would bring like new talent or new um, actors in that we've never heard of and then like they make a name out of it so um maybe that might happen later on but um but yeah i'm kind of far so so far it's the only person who would potentially get that kind of exposure would be cara dune um because everybody else is an established person um except for maybe pilo or whoever that is Oh no, she's she's been around for a while. She's been around for a while, so like, mm-hmm. there's nothing really, and I don't feel like Cara Dune's character or um, um, the actress, you know, her performance isn't particularly compelling. I don't see it launching like her into some, you know, compelling acting career. Um, she's obviously there more for the physical elements of her performance, but yeah. So I guess we can can we eliminate that the snow planet was Ilum or any yeah other yeah I, I, I actually remember remember uh, like watching it over there and I'm like yep that's not Ilum just a nice planet yep which is interesting it's just it's like okay so that's fine like it doesn't I wasn't disappointed at all but it's like. Mm-hmm. so we get Tatooine and like anytime you see an ice planet in in Star Wars you know it's 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 kind of like, like when you saw Jakku in Force Awakens, it's like, oh, Tatooine. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It makes you think of Tatooine. You see an ice planet in Star Wars, hot. You think of hot. So it's kind of like, okay, well, can we do something something more unique, you know, like an environment? Like like purple purple skies or something? Something other, <laughs> something other than a desert planet, an ice planet, or a like a redwood forest jungle planet. Like mm-hmm. I feel like those are pretty recurring, and like maybe we could get some other more unique settings, which, I mean, I'm, hope, I'm assuming... I like mean, we're gonna get that water planet that we saw on the trailer maybe next week, with, mm-hmm. and have something unique. But well, and, and plus, like with the advantages of having the um, volume, it's like you can now create uh, a landscape like any right. that you that you can imagine, mm-hmm. and you can play around with different atmosphere colors or different surface. Uh, yeah, or uh, backgrounds. Forestry. Uh, yeah. Uh, plant. I mean, explore different plant plantation, like plant like, life. Or yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I'm thinking of like you know uh, that's one thing I think they did really well in this in the prequel trilogy. You know, mm-hmm. some of the locations were just so totally unique. That yeah, there was a lot of that. Like right, and I feel like this hasn't. They haven't really gone that way of like creating some unique environments. There's there are new locations. There have been new locations, but like. They don't look very different from anything we've ever seen before. I loved the little gritty urban environment that they were in at the beginning mm-hmm. of the previous episode. That was very cool. We never seen that in Star Wars. Like a really right. just like like urban underworld, like graffiti, you know, like dangerous place. That was mm-hmm. very cool. We weren't there for very long, um, but that was cool. That was a cool location. Um, what did you think of the? What did you think of all the the? The ongoing gag of Baby Yoda eating this woman's unborn offspring. 
it was a, it was literally carried the through first... the entire episode. How many of them did he eat? Confirmed. Three, four. <sighs> Let's see. One. Was... I, th- I think. I think it was at three. least three. Um, I mean, if if we're wrong, please please uh, ignore ignore the number. But um, I thought it was funny the first time. The second time, it's like, uh oh. Please don't lead this to where the next uh, chapter she like gets there and they're all gone and this was all for nothing. That kind of, that kind of spooked me as far as story goes. And then the third time it was like, oh, it's supposed to be funny, but I feel like we've done it enough. <laughs> well, like it's like the whole episode. It's it's really kind of like so much of the episode. Of the of the the progression of the episode mm-hmm. is driven by his desire to eat those eggs, like hey get off of there you know and then and then when they and then when she leaves the ship after they crash you know mm-hmm. he's trying to get the eggs out of the whatever jacuzzi she was in and then oh no 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 you can't eat those eggs so then he goes and you know wakes up the spider colony or whatever and then at the end then you have that last time that he pops one in his mouth and it's like. And there was just this part of me that was a, it was like, that's like, I know they're eggs, mm-hmm. so they're not. It's not like he's eating like, I guess a, a born being, right? But yeah. like, I mean, those are her children. Like the whole point of this journey, right, is that she was saying in the in the episode, like, this is our last offspring, and we're trying to take them to this place so that we can start over again, our family, and preserve our offspring. And Baby Yoda's just popping them in his mouth. Like, it's like, is that, are we supposed to think that's funny? Or like, are we supposed to think that's not okay? Um, yeah. It was funny. Mm-hmm. But I think they took it a little... It just got to the point where it was like, okay, we, we get it. It's cute yeah. and funny. But like, yeah. Um, anyway. Um, what did you think of the just the, the sequence where they're on the planet, stuck on the ice planet? Um... Just, it's, yeah, nothing was like, I saw a lot of, there were like a lot of uh, cliche uh, beats to the story where it's like, all right, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. S- sometimes that's like, that's okay. Um, and like part of the journey is knowing, kind of seeing, knowing what's going to happen or thinking you know what's going to happen and then all of a sudden it goes a totally different direction. Um, but if you're going to do it, this in a predictable area at least do something with the characters that's like that's new and again every beat on that ice planet uh was nothing new to this series totally predictable um so i mean you knew you knew as soon as they as soon as they were in that chamber and you saw those pod things in the ground i knew that was important right away you know it was like this is going to be important. And then when Baby Yoda starts going over there to mess around, you know it's utterly predictable. This is going to be trouble. Mm-hmm. When he opens it and eats this baby spider, you know that's not going to be a good thing. And then it was totally predictable. Like, I, you saw it all coming, right? So you can, you could, you, before anything else happens, you know all these things are going to hatch. There's going to be a mama spider who's going to come out. And there's going to be this creature, you know, sequence. There was zero suspense. At no point in that episode would I have thought that the Mandalorian or Baby Yoda or the Frog Lady or the Eggs or any of them were going to die or be in peril. 
So there was, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, there was definitely an, an icky factor, right? Like, yeah. There, like I, you felt like the, oh, like the spider, right. the way they sounded and looked and moved and swarmed. It was very well, that was really well done. Mm-hmm. And it was a great creature effect. Similar, I felt the same way about the crate Dragon. Like that, that worked visually. Um, it was very cool to watch that, them being swarmed, especially when they got on the ship. Mm-hmm. That was like horrifying to to watch and think about like these yeah, spiders just, just keeps swarming them in this enclosed you know and then being in the cockpit and like those spiders are that was super well done mm-hmm. but I had no thought that this was a turning point in the story or the season none of the characters that I think were gonna not survive it mm-hmm. um, so like you said like it did, didn't totally predictable sequence no real drama at all um, and not consequential at all to the rest of whatever the story is going to be this season. So I really don't, I, I could skip this episode. You know, other than mm-hmm. the fact that I'm introduced to Frog Lady and how she's going to get him to another Mandalorian, I could skip the episode, right? Mm-hmm. And just say, oh, there was the spiders that they, they you know. Um, yeah. It's like, looked really cool. And that was as far as it went for me. Mm-hmm. It was it was cool to to have the X wings come back and 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 rescue them. That was mm-hmm. that was a cool sequence. Um, and the dialogue, I guess that was pretty interesting. Like the dialogue between the pilots and and Din Djarin about like, okay, well, we know that you aren't a bad guy, um, so we're gonna let you go. Um, and I, I, I wonder, I, I do think that that maybe was the most interesting thing about the story in this episode was that now, um, and again, I don't, I, and I don't know if they'll do anything with it, but he's mm-hmm. on the New Republic's radar, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's going to be interesting to see, is that going to be more and more of a story, right? Like, um, is there going to be more interactions between him and the New Republic, yeah, that that would be interesting because um, I remember like this uh, statement that John Favreau uh, released back in I believe it was uh, 2018 about the Mandalorian about it being like the it's like right after the fall of the Empire and it's kind of kind of on a side note show how the First Order came to be mm-hmm. through the show so it would be kind of interesting to see. Um, like the New Republic's involvement um, with this story and how that would lead to the it becoming the, the resistance formation and all that kind of stuff. Right. So remains to be seen if they'll connect those stories very significantly or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess so. I mean, in terms of was there anything? And once they once they survived, I think that one of the things that was a little bit problematic for me too was that the ship was pretty much like ripped apart and he fixed it with this little hand welder mm-hmm. which I thought was a, I thought the thing was like pretty much brutalized and they did show it like in the end when it's flying off in the distance he's in bad shape like mm-hmm. this guy's this ship is not flying well yeah. <laughs> and, and and that kind of surprises me as well because that thing was teared apart by Jawas shot at and then once it gets to the ice plant, um, yeah, this thing is close to being, uh, like, belonging in a rural junkyard. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> already, they was, it's a super, super old ship, mm-hmm. right? And it's been just, like, brutalized. 
like it's been through hell already in two seasons, season and two episodes. Um, so not super important. I like the ship. I think it's fine, and mm-hmm. I like the the kind of the joke about like you know what are you doing flying around that old thing? You know, it's kind of a running joke, similar to the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Like that's a piece of junk, you know, that old thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think um, yeah. So I mean, I guess like you know, and then the episode ends. And it's like mm-hmm. just back on their way to Trask, right? And he's gonna help this frog lady get her babies delivered and and so i mean there is a not really a cliffhanger but i mean there is a progression right like okay mm-hmm. we're, we're looking forward to okay well what's going to happen on trask you know is he going to find mandalorians or something else or whatever so you know we'll look forward to that but yeah definitely a very subpar episode for me um one thing the mandalorian does well i think is that production value is so high that it can gloss over some of the like I thought that the dialogue in this episode was pretty pretty poor, predictable, generic, etc. I'm a little bit like I'm just I'm 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 I really hope that they get to some storytelling and character development, and they they need to ramp it up quick. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it, again, and that's just you know people have different expectations, right? My expectations were that we were going to get a very compelling story that would move along from episode to episode. And we're getting, for me, we're getting more filler than I want, but that's just me, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't mind filler unless it, there's, like, a way for it to come back all the way around. But I, I, I think that I think that overall, like, if I'm honest, like, when you look at, like, TV, TV used to always be viewed as the secondary, uh, secondary to film. Mm-hmm. And then you have Game of Thrones... And then you have this wave of things where it's like television becomes as good or arguably even better than movies. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you hear that Star Wars is going to do live action television and you're thinking, okay, we're going to get like, that was, that was the big mantra. It's like, oh, is this going to be the, like the Game of Thrones of Star Wars on TV? You know, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. And I, I, if I'm honest, I'm disappointed overall. I, I, we're not anywhere near the level of Game of Thrones with this show. Not that it has to be Game of Thrones, but like right. just in terms of like script and dialogue and storytelling and, and, and really creating an, an energy where you like really you want to tune in every week because there's something that's going to happen that you, you, you can't miss. It hasn't done that. Um, and like, for example, and I wanted to talk about this because I don't think we talked about it before terribly much, but... You know, we had the giant reveal of Boba Fett at the end of the first episode. Mm-hmm. And then, nothing. Now, okay, that's fine. But it begs the question, is that literally it? Is that all we're getting? Is mm-hmm. It was just a cameo. It was like, just a cameo. Like, And the reveal is, Boba Fett's still alive. And then we're never going to see that again or is he gonna come circle back around like right mm-hmm. like, like I, it seemed to me like the way that that was shown he was he's going to be in the story at some point mm-hmm. but they completely dropped it there was no continuity from one episode to the next with any of the reveals from the first episode um we'll see what happens i i really hope that that wasn't the extent of tamira morrison 
coming back as Boba Fett. I, I really would be disappointed. I think if you're going to do that, you better give us a little bit of story treatment there. Mm-hmm. You, what do you? What are your thoughts there? I feel like a reveal like that, yeah, hopefully doesn't go to waste. This this is something that a lot of fans have argued over for years, uh, probably ever since uh, 1983. Uh, is Boba Fett still alive? And then uh, now in 2020, uh, the answer is given. And it's like, great, we now have this thing confirmed. Like, now what? Right. 100% confirmed visually in live action Mm -hmm. with the actor who played Jango Fett, who would be Boba Fett from the cloning perspective. I can't imagine doing that and then just being like, oh, that was just a cameo. Mm -hmm. Um, But we don't know. And the, the second episode gave us no sense of continuity there. I don't like I mean like from a purely from a storytelling perspective it's like Boba Fett appeared to be more or less stranded mm-hmm. on Tatooine so I don't know how and now we're not on Tatooine anymore so I don't know how Boba Fett gets around these days apparently he doesn't as far as we can tell because he's still on Tatooine like struggling to survive so if he comes back in the story he has to somehow transport himself unless they're coming back to Tatooine again at some point it just this thought just kind of popped into my head um and and it's a very odd one but what if Boba Fett threatened Cobb Vance's life and um he relayed a message to uh Din Djarin to return his armor or else that could be a possible way to get him back to Tatooine possibly I think Um, a lot of people would be I think we'd be testing the limits of going back to Tatooine right. back there again this season. But, um, but it seems like I mean, to get Cobb Vanth back into the storyline, it seems like we got to go back to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Maybe to get Boba Fett back in the season, you know, we got to go back to Tatooine. Um, but we were in Tatooine for an entire episode, and then the first part of the second episode. I'm pretty. I'd be very surprised if we went back there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't think we've seen the last of Cobb Vanth. Maybe we have, maybe we haven't. Which speaks to, like, you know, this is this is one of the things that's frustrating and beautiful about releasing one episode a week, right? Like, mm-hmm. you don't know for a week, right? If this had been released all at once, all of us would have watched the entire season already, and we would make an evaluation of the entire mm-hmm. story. And we don't know what it is. So we can only go on what the last thing is that we got. And the trailers were so significantly ambiguous that we have no, like, there's nothing I saw in any of the trailers that I'm like, well, I haven't seen that yet, so I know there's this big plot point or something that hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Other than the, you know, Sasha Banks' character is not visible yet. Um, we know that's coming, and she's probably significant, especially if she's Sabine. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's makes me just a little bit nervous. After this episode, like, okay, guys, what are we doing for the next six episodes? And this episode, as I was watching, I was watching another YouTube video, and they said that the, basically, like, this episode was more or less 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's disappointing. If you're going to do Star Wars live action, you've got to give us more than a 30-minute episode. I mean, like, you're spending $10 million an episode, and we get 30 minutes of filler? Like, mm-hmm. that's, I, I, you know... That tests my limit of like, okay, like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. 
I want to like this show, but you, you got to deliver something else, something a little more sub- substantial. Storytelling-wise especially, like we need, you know, the, one of the things that, that really, what makes Star Wars Star Wars is the original trilogy. And what was so good about the original trilogy, especially from one movie to the next, was that the story... The story it was the storyline. It was the storytelling. It was, you know, by the time you get to the end of Empire Strikes Back, the story is so compelling. The characters are so compelling. You're so invested. Right now, I'm not there. I'm not mm-hmm. there with Baby Yoda or Din Djarin. I think they're cool. I enjoy them, but like, mm-hmm. I don't have like this strong, you know, feeling. And all the other characters have just been side characters. Quill was really my... And Quill and IG-11 yeah. were mm-hmm. my favorites, and they're both dead. <laughs> they're gone, mm-hmm. right? They were the ones that I felt like, oh, like, I really like this character. No, they're gone. Like, which is what was great about the first season, right? Like, mm-hmm. That was good. It was good. But, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, as we wrap this up, um, we'd like to thank our uh, listeners for uh, tuning in. Even though, even though uh, we usually do things like monthly, but with the Mandalorian, we are starting to push things out a little bit more frequently. Plus, uh, next week we're gonna have a. Lo- it's gonna be a different uh, version of Mando meetings. Um, this is just gonna be uh, a bunch of Star Wars fans reacting to the episode right after it comes out. Uh, so you won't just just hear me and Aaron uh, geeking out for about close to an hour, um, but you'll ha- you'll have a lot more people there, and you get to also hear their inputs and uh, their enthusiasm and passion for Star Wars as well. And uh, again, thanks for listening. And if you uh, like the show, you can uh, follow us um, on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram, and if you like us enough, please follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Trench Run Report, or you can follow us individually. Um, you can follow uh, Aaron at Bro Russo on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and you can also follow me, Justin Boots Gray at Boots Fet One on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, uh, may the force be with you. Always.